BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Here's my favorite rant for the day excerpted from our podcast, which you can find over at tomhartman.com. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you as my voice is slowly recovering. (laughs) It's Anything Goes Friday, so whatever is on your mind, feel free to give us a shout. I wanted to draw your attention. There's a a number of things in the news. Scott Pruitt looks like he's melting down, arguably the most corrupt member of the Trump administration. And what's amazing is that he's, it's like, it's how the media deals with these things, you know? I mean, his, his rollback of auto emission standards is literally going to cause a couple thousand cases of cancer a year in the United States. People are going to, and, and tens of thousands of cases of asthma, just, just rolling back the emission standards. And the, the, the media, you know, but that's, that's like, some kind of an abstraction, I guess. You know, that's, that's, that's too, too uh, scientific, you know, for the media to go after. So what do they go after? Oh, we got a deal on an apartment in, in, uh, in D.C., you know, 50 bucks a night at a lobbyist's apartment. And the lobbyist was, was a lobbyist for, you know, to sell liquid natural gas to Morocco. And, oh, gee, Scott Pruitt took first-class travel to, to Morocco to sell the natural gas. This morning, the, the, the husband and the, the, his wife owns the building, but, you know, he's, he's the lobbyist. And uh, he's got a piece in the New York Times, or at least I saw it in the New York Times deal book. It might link to the Wall Street Journal or someplace else. Um, but basically, he, he's saying, you know, I, I am not a crook. I did not lobby Scott Pruitt. This is not what's going on. This is being mischaracterized. You're slurring my, or slamming my wife. Yeah, slurring, I guess, would be uh, defaming. And uh, it's, it's just, you know, it's like a, a, a circus, you know, a, a theater when re- actual real damage is being done that is going to cost people their lives. Children are going are gonna to die because of Scott Pruitt's policies, because of, you know, and there's been a number of rollbacks. The coal thing, you know, this was one of the very first things Pruitt and Trump did was say to the coal companies, you know that rule that we've had in the books for years that you can't dump coal slurry, you know, the, the, the waste which is filled with coal and heavy metals like mercury and cadmium and beryllium and, 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 uh, and, and uh, it's just a whole spectrum of carcinogens, frankly. Um, you can't dump that in rivers. And so, you know, for, for some years now, the coal, coal industry has had to either bury their waste or incinerate it or what. I mean, typically, they just bury it. But now, 
you know, the first thing Trump says or, or Scott Pruitt authorizes is, oh, go ahead, you know, dump your, dump your, uh, dump your coal waste in the rivers. Uh, you know, we don't care, you know. So you poison a few communities. What difference does it make? I don't get why. I mean, I understand being outraged about the lobbyist, right? And the, and the apartment and, and the sweetheart deal and the, and the driving around town with the sirens on. I get all that. But why aren't we also talking about the real damage that's being done to this country by these policies? Is it just because these are policies that every Republican agrees with because it increases the profits? And a, and a few so-called conservative Democrats, by the way, um, that it increases the profits of the companies that essentially own these politicians. Is that what's going on? Is, it, is the media afraid to, to point out the consequences of the actual so-called conservative? I mean, we need to just drop this word conservative and start using the word corporatist. Because that's what it is, you know, or billionaire friendly. Another, another story I wanted to point out to you is uh, in the New York Times today. Madeleine Albright. She was our, uh, our ambassador. I believe she was the ambassador to the United Nations, wasn't she? Let me see the, uh, the last page of the article here and see if that identifies her. Uh, yeah, oh, she was Secretary of the State. I'm sorry. That's right. She was Secretary of State from 97 to 2001. Um, and uh, she's the author of a new book, Fascism, A Warning. And I believe before that she was ambassador to the United Nations. But in any case, Madeleine Albright, who is 80 years old, who, who lost family members in the Holocaust, uh, which she learned as an adult, actually, has written this piece in the New York Times titled, Will We Stop Trump Before It's Too Late? And uh, the subtitle is Fascism. There's that word, the F word that, that you know, Fascism is the merger of corporate or business and state interests. I mean, you know, look it up in a dictionary. The merger of corporate and, and state interests uh, combined with belligerent nationalism was the definition from the, the 1987 Merriam-Webster Dictionary. I've used it for years in articles. It's nice and tight and concise. Um, you know, some dictionaries kind of redefine it as, oh, it's just tough guy stuff or nationalism. But, but really, that's what it is. And, and we're seeing literally that. The merger of the, of the billionaire and business interests and the state. And then the state starts clamping down on people. But anyhow, Madeleine Albright, she points out 73 years ago this month, Italians hung the corpse of their former dictator Benito Mussolini upside down next to a gas station in Milan. Two days later, Adolf Hitler committed suicide in his bunker beneath the streets of war-ravaged Berlin. Fascism, she writes, it appeared, was dead. Well, not so much. And then, you know, she talks about how we, we tried to prevent it from reoccurring, you know, with the United Nations and the European Union and all these things. And then she says, you know, now, uh, now we've, we've just, like, abandoned that. And we're embracing fascists all around the world. And fascists all around the world are saying, hey, cool. You know, we love this, uh, this new Trump foreign policy or domestic policy, for that matter. It's, it's just how we are. So she says, if, if freedom is to prevail over the many challenges, American leadership is urgently required, but we're not providing 
you know, now, now I'm speaking for myself, but we're not providing that. In fact, she says, by, by what he has said, done, and failed to do, Mr. Trump has steadily diminished America's positive clout. Instead of mobilizing international coalitions, he touts the doctrine of every nation for itself. He's mocked multilateral organizations, walked away from key international agreements, stripped the State Department of its resources and roles. Instead of standing up for the values of a free society, his off-vented scorn for democracy's building blocks. Earlier on, she points out one of those building blocks is the, the press, which Trump attacks regularly, says has strengthened the hands of dictators. They no longer need to, no longer need they fear United States criticism regarding human rights or civil liberties. On the contrary, they can and do point to Trump's own words to justify their repressive actions. She says at one time or another, Trump has attacked the judiciary, ridiculed the media, defended torture, condoned police brutality, urged supporters to rough up hecklers, and jokingly or not, equated mere policy disagreements with treason. He tried to undermine faith in America's electoral process through a bogus advisory commission on voter integrity. He routinely vilifies federal law enforcement institutions. He libels immigrants and the, na- the countries from which they come. His words are so often at odds with the truth that they can appear ignorant, yet in, are in fact calculated to exacerbate religious, social, and racial divisions. Overseas, rather than stand up to bullies, Trump appears to like the bullies, and they're delighted to have him representing the American brand. If one were to draft a script chronicling fascism's resurrection, the abdication of America's moral leadership would make a credible first scene. And then she goes on, equally alarming is the chance that Mr. Trump will set in motion events that neither he nor anyone else can control. And this is something I've, I've spoken about, at, I mean, I've spoken about all these things at great length, but this possibility that he could even be provoking World War III by the way that he's doing this dance with Kim in North Korea, the way that he's threatening to tear up the Iran nuclear deal. These are serious issues. And I'm not sure that the guy in the White House is all that serious about them. So, yeah, that's my rant for the day. What are yours? 